everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 7, issue 343. It's Horizon Zero Dawn. You can play along with the Cane and Rinse podcast. It's a fun thing to do. At least some of the podcasts, maybe not all of them. That might be a, a tall order. But if you fancy joining us in the discussion for these upcoming shows, you need to get on Mario Kart Double Dash, then Ghouls and Ghosts, or Daimakai Mura. Then we have our penultimate in our mainline Resident Evil series with Resident Evil 6. Following that, it's The Last Guardian. And then we cover Zone of the Enders, the second runner. Canerince.com is the place to go. You can find the full schedule there, although uh, the only uh, there's only a couple of months left to the end of the year now. That's as far as we've got in terms of announcing upcoming shows. There will be more in the future. And as usual, we'll do some kind of exciting reveal of next year's shows when they've been scheduled. Look out for that. You can get every Cane and Rinse podcast a week earlier than non-subscribers by supporting us for just a dollar a month, which is around 78 pence or 0.88 of a euro as it stands. Uh, it's much appreciated and all gets ploughed back into keeping us going, basically. Uh, Patreon.com slash Cane and Rinse. Uh, you also get an exclusive bonus monthly podcast and you also get extended podcasts. Uh, so where we go over two hours, and I suspect this might be one of those, you may get a little extra in your Patreon edition of the podcast. So lots of good reasons to uh, chip in and support the show. Sound of Play is our other podcast that comes out on a Wednesday, uh, regardless whether you're a patron or not. It's all about video games music and it's a great time as well. Uh, subscribe, review and rate to that podcast and this one wherever you get your podcast from, particularly Apple, but anywhere else is cool. And follow us on social media as you do all stuff these days. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 343 are Jacob Geller. Hi there. Jay Taylor. Hello. And Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. Welcome back, uh, everybody. Uh, so, Horizon Zero Dawn, we're going to issue a spoiler warning. Now, the plot is, uh, there's quite a lot of it. There's quite a lot of lore, quite a lot of things happen in the story. Uh, we're going to hear some impressions from the forum, as usual, and uh, our own thoughts on uh, the quality of the writing, the storytelling, and the delivery. Uh, that may include us talking about things that happen later in the game, uh, possibly even the ending. So this is your spoiler warning. Developer, as probably everybody knows, is Guerrilla Games, and it was published by Sony. Uh, director is uh, now. I was going to get Mikhail to help me with some of the Dutch <laughs> pronunciations for this Dutch studio, but uh, Matthias de Jong uh, is the best I can do. Produced by uh, Lambert Volterbeek Muller, uh, and the writers are John Gonzalez and Ben McCaw. We'll talk about uh, the music separately in a bit. Uh, the engine is known as the Decima engine. Uh, before this game was released, uh, originally going all the way back to 2010. About 40 concepts were pitched internally. Uh, among these was Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, which the director uh, considered the most risky of all those concepts uh, when it was pitched in 2010 by art director Jan Bart van Beek. Uh, but they went with it and development began in 2011 following the release of Killzone 3. Uh, first up, we're going to hear from the forum. Uh, I hate numbers 23 says, I was watching Giant Bomb's stream of Sony's E3 2015 press conference. Gorillas Herman Holst announced that they were finally leaving behind the grey-scale hellholes of Killzone. Their brave new world was to be a post-post-apocalypse full of flora and fauna tribes and robot dinosaurs. Hellgas got weird, Jeff Gerstmann quipped. What a weird game. Looks kind of rad, though. 
I was sold. Nearly two years later, Horizon Zero Dawn finally came out. For better and for worse, it turned out to be one of the most interesting gaming experiences I've had. So we'll hear more from I Hate Numbers as we go through. The game did come out just last year. This is such a recent title for us. It was only a year and a half ago, uh, or maybe a little more. Uh, February 28th in North America, 1st of March in PAL territories or Europe. By and large, the reviews were in the high eights and low to mid nines. And the average came out at uh, a very decent 88.36% from 70 reviews. And the game, according to Sony, I believe, have has sold uh, over seven and a half million copies worldwide as of that was as of last February. So may have uh, may have sold even more since then in digital sales and so on. Uh, the game was nominated for a ton of awards uh, and won a good chunk of them. Far too many to list. Uh, there's a comprehensive Wikipedia entry uh, if that's your bag. But what about us? When did we play it and how? Obviously, there's there's only one format, but there are. Uh, I guess now with a game like this, we probably want to talk a little bit about uh, what audio visual setup we played it on as well. Uh, it seems to be relevant. But uh, Jay, did you day one it? Horizon? I didn't, believe it or not. And that's really like I, I, I think week two'd it at the beginning of the second mm. week of release. I that's when I picked it up. As those who have followed us for a while know that I'm a quite a guerrilla fan anyway. I'm. I think I might have mentioned this before, probably on a sound of play, but Gorilla has a special place in Kane and Rint's lore, if you will, because yeah. quite possibly <laughs> without um, Killzone 2, like literally everything that you're seeing now from Kane and Rint's <laughs> and the podcast and stuff stemmed from K- Killzone 2 multiplayer in a way. That's true, actually. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, um, yeah. So yeah, they where always... we first spoke to each other was yeah, exactly, on, yeah. on, on a game of Killzone 2. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it kind of and it was a really strong community game as it as it's, it had this slow burn at the start and then it, it became one of our most popular games back in the day, um, and and so did three. So Gorilla's all I've always had this thing for Gorilla. I've always felt they were technically marvelous as a studio. They were perhaps lacking in the sort of narrative side of their games, but the the games themselves were so strong that the as soon as they mentioned they were making, I don't think here's the thing I don't believe i was paying that much attention to the rumors and the sort of the 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 stuff that was going around about the the leak with the name and stuff like that Mm. i don't think i paid any attention to it Mm. um it wasn't until as similar to um i hate numbers wasn't until they the proper announcement at e3 2015 that i thought um i am so on board with this game um and i didn't pick it why didn't i pick it up day one well that's just me being like my usual tight-fisted um, yeah. <laughs> trying to save money thing and uh, I, I I've got this habit anyway of just waiting and I started watching people playing this on, on Twitch um, YouTube whatever and I couldn't take it as soon as I started watching this game being played I thought I mm. have to play this game like I can't not wait for this I, I have to so I, by, by the start of the second week um, I was I just pre-ordered I ordered it and pop through the post and that was that was it for a couple of months of just you know constant sort of playing the hell out of it yeah and did you go round and round did you do everything did you yeah uh, yeah pretty yeah. much um platinum yeah yeah well that was i mean it's a pretty straightforward platinum so i platinum yeah. that and then i think just a couple of months ago i i got the um frozen wilds as that came out and then i mm. 
didn't platinum that. Oh, I didn't hundred percent that stuff until just a couple of months ago, and I I, I decided to go back through it all again, and yeah, just hundred percented every everything. Uh, yeah, Sean, how about you? You are uh, a fan of Sony first party games overall. <laughs> yeah, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and I uh, like Jay. I was a pretty big fan of um Killzone two and three. I uh, played a whole ton of that, not with you guys, but um, with a whole ton of it. And I, I lament its death earlier this year. Uh, both of those um, online communities shut went down. down. Yeah, they shut mm-hmm. them down. Um, but I was hesitant uh, for this game only because Killzone Shadowfall came out. And um, I, I did not like that game <laughs> really much mm-hmm. at all. Um, I, I, I was The multiplayer was pretty good. But the single player was like significantly poor, in my opinion. Um, so I, I, when they announced that they were doing something new, I was like, "All right, well that's cool." But the, your last effort, even though I, I, from what I understand, it was a different director and different other team members, um, I was still, regardless, I was hesitant. Uh, so I didn't pick it up day one. I rented it, and then I eventually uh, bought it because I could. I found myself uh, unable to put it down. Um, so I, I was um, pleasantly surprised at first, but yeah. So not day one, but eventually played it, and I played it on um, PS4 Pro um, on a 4K TV, but no HDR. As for okay. your reference earlier, uh, Jay will have played it on a, uh, a, a base PS4 yeah. and on a 1080 screen as well. So mm. you know, right, right at the right at the you know the the, the trash end of things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about how awful it looks on that on that basic setup <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, sure. later on. Uh, Jacob, did you uh, get this early early adopter? Not not really. I mean, so I had I played Killzone three, not the not the other ones, and I wasn't particularly blown away. It um it was very pretty and and you know had had lots of explosions and exciting moments, but just kind sure of does. wasn't wasn't my kind <laughs> of game. Um, and then I saw I saw the trailers for this. You know, I was watching the E3 stream, and so I saw the the premiere trailers. And my thoughts were um, both: this seems kind of like a a seventh grader's idea. You know, that it was, it was just like robot dinosaurs and Vikings. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and and also, <laughs> I thought there was no way that it could look as good as it. You know, I just mm. I just thought that it was like a fake E3 trailer. And it would kind of come well, out years yeah, later. And Gorilla and had uh, had form in that department. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, so so reasonable suspicions. Um, yeah. And and then even when it came out and it got you know pretty pretty high praise from everyone, I just I had the skepticism that it was like it just looks kind of silly. And so I didn't pick it up until much later. And I was I was working at a restaurant. And the sous chef at that restaurant uh, had been raving about Horizon, and he let me borrow it. Um, and then I dove in and immediately saw how wrong I was. But we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. Uh, how much did you play it? Did you uh, do everything, or just finish the main line? Or? I didn't. I didn't do everything. But the way that I play open world games tends to be pretty comprehensive. So I would guess that just kind of through. I don't think there were any like major side quests or anything that I skipped over. Um, mm. And also normal, regular PS4, regular 1080 screen. Um, so slumming it. Yeah, as well. look, look like trash. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll talk about. That. Uh, yeah. So I did pick it up, not 
straight away. Uh, I think uh, either I was snowed under with cane and rinse games that I had to finish and or didn't have much money at the time it actually dropped. Uh, but as soon as it started uh, being discounted in any way, I leapt upon it, uh, bought it digitally in a PSN sale, uh, but kept it on the back burner, knowing that um, it would probably be a, a likely pick for uh, in the not too distant future. And I was kind of hoping, you know, it's nice for us to sometimes get to play things uh, while they're contemporaneous and still state of the art. Uh, yeah, and so I only left it a year and a half. And actually, I'm glad I did because it meant that since... Uh, since I bought it, uh, I can't remember if I had my Pro at the time, but I certainly didn't have a 4K screen. Um, but I do now, and I got to play it in 4K and HDR. Uh, actually, well, there's there are settings, um, and in, mm -hmm. in fact, I actually played it on the lower resolution because you get more graphical oomph out of your Pro if you don't play it in 4K. So it's whether you prefer the pixels or the slightly improved frame rate and extra kind of bells and whistles and hair tech and all that kind of thing so that actually <laughs> i played some and some um but in the end i played the majority of my 62 hours of it i think uh in 1080 but but yeah on the pro with hdr um and yeah i've done almost everything i also played most of the frozen wilds but there are some collectathons that i haven't uh fully done just before we were recording this evening i was still doing bandit camps uh, I think I've got a, a conclusion to that uh, quest line, which I can I can see where it's headed, um, and yeah, a few other bits and bobs um, to do. But yeah, uh, sixty-two hours over the last, I guess, four, three, four weeks, um, been mainlining it in a in a big way, and uh, I probably won't have opportunity to get the platinum, but I certainly intend to uh, pick it up again and hoover up all the things I haven't done because I find that sort of thing very enjoyable to do. So I'm going to start off with Magical Isopod because uh, I think this is quite an emotive piece that will kick us off nicely talking about the uh, silly, uh, colourful world of uh, Vikings and robot dinosaurs um, <laughs> that uh, the gorilla presented us with. Um, yeah, I didn't say actually, sorry, but um, I didn't, I wasn't madly anticipating this game. I was interested in it as I would have been in any, uh, you know, kind of, high profile AAA title and waiting to see how it turned out i was a fan but not a super fan of the killzone games had some great times with them um but i also yeah i think i had similar slight misgivings when i just saw the early images that it looked a little bit kind of yeah almost a bit daft and lurid and i was thinking is this actually going to work um we'll come on to how i feel about how it worked later uh, but magical isopod from canarince.com slash forum says horizon zero dawn was my favourite game of 2017 and 2017 was an absolutely phenomenal year for gaming. I work in the automation industry as a programmer and technician. I'm active in politics because the collective welfare of humanity and our impact on the planet is deeply important to me. I straddle a line between blue collar and academic. I have a love of science and philosophy, but the lack of the fiscal means to access the higher echelons of academia. And all of that to me changes how important this game is to me subjectively as an individual than it may be to broader games criticism. I see firsthand the looming dread that humanity faces in the 21st century. We all fear automation. Will it replace us? Will it be superior to us? Will we have a social role in our own societies if the means of production belong to mechanical entities? There is a deep-seated fear of replacement and obsolescence, a dread of impending worthlessness of our own flesh and bone. But we're also terrified of what we're doing to our own planet forests torn down and replaced with barren, eroded soil, weather patterns beyond control and prediction, the very real possibility of a runaway greenhouse effect 
that renders everything our entire evolutionary path has ever known burned away by an acidic atmosphere. Take these very real fears that humanity, humanity collectively feels, pair it with a story of corporate greed and a momentary lapse in scientific ethics, and you wind up with Horizon Zero Dawn as one of the most horrifying tales ever told by human media. Long before the story even begins, the Earth has been stripped barren. A rogue AI system designed for war has made itself unstoppable. They self-replicate, they consume all organic matter as a means of energy, and nobody bothered to consider an off switch. As we explore audio logs and flavour text about the world that was, we learn about this pathetic human resistance in the face of mechanical miasma. Humanity cannot win. Humanity can only slow down the inevitable, and not even by much. It's a story of absolute horror that had me in tears several times. I work in automation. I love humanity. I love the natural world. And yet, here are the two most important things in my life, my loves and my livelihood, in direct opposition to one another. Will I have to face a reality that, one day, the corporate industrial machine I labour for will one day suck up the earth I walk on like a ravenous beast? Will I have to come to terms with the reality that my own fiscal stability came at the cost of lives? of flora and fauna. Writing this and reflecting on what Horizon has to say about humanity and the planet leaves me with a deep pit of existential despair. While playing through Horizon I was already unemployed, several times rendered disposable by an automation industry that is not concerned with worker health and happiness, an automation industry that will dehumanise you for the sake of a quick buck. Back then I was primarily working for the cutthroat automotive industry, where every project starts overdue, where every deadline has already been missed. This game, and I say this without hyperbole, fundamentally changed my career path. I now work in pharmaceutical manufacturing. It's not perfect, but it saves lives. Humanity is the core focus. My political activism comes in direct response to the fury I feel about how workers are being abused, communities are being poisoned, how our earth is being shoved into the meat grinder to prop up a few greedy homo sapiens over every other living thing. And Horizon's nightmare apocalypse scenario fully encapsulates my deepest fears into a not-too-unrealistic fantasy allegory for the modern day. But Horizon is not a game about terror and hopelessness. It's a story of how humanity fights back. In this picture of the future, we have been stripped of our cultural legacies and left to start anew. Prejudice of the modern day have no context in Aloy's world. These humans do not come by contemporary bigotry naturally. We're to build new societies, new social standards, hit the reset button and pray we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. Elizabeth Sobeck, our protagonist in two time periods, never loses hope that things can be better. The titular Zero Dawn project was a seed planted in lifeless soil so that new life could grow out of our old mistakes. And I think everything Elizabeth and Aloy represent is absolutely beautiful. This compassion in the face of terror, this unyielding belief that we can start again and get things right a second time around. I think that's something humanity needs. If we juxtapose Elizabeth Sobeck, and the antagonist as parallels to modern society, we should all champion Elizabeth's ideals of sustainability and preservation over the other guy's selfish zeal and corporatist greed. So, the silly game about robot dinosaurs. <laughs> I mean, yeah. why even have a podcast? Yeah, I was going to say, we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> well, that certainly covers a lot of the... Um, but, you know, uh, I think one of the things that comes up a lot is uh, people saying how, uh, how surprised they were by... The, the sort of the depth and mm -hmm. um, and the thought and actual uh, resonance of this fiction compared to perhaps what they were expecting when they saw the red-haired girl with the bow and arrow and the robot dinosaurs. Well, I think that also comes from the history of, of Killzone games. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're coming in expecting 
big dumb guys shooting each other you know that's space kind nazis of space nazis yeah and and while there was always like i think that there was always a neat idea somewhere buried under Killzone stories um so space it, nazi it, space nazis yeah it's a neat idea space nazis <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I, I, I think that kind of helps or helped inform people what they were expecting, I guess, going into Horizon and then to come out, you know, I, I honestly, for me, I was pretty surprised too. Um, yeah. how, how, how deep the story was. And I think I, you know, who, who we can't, I can't imagine placing this all on one guy, but, uh, coming from the guy who, you know, was John Gonzalez, you know, um, he, uh, Fallout New Vegas was, uh, a, I, I like that story in, in that game a lot. So mm. Not too surprising there, but definitely surprising coming from Gorilla. Yeah, I think one of the things that really, really took me by surprise in this was um, every game has kind of uh, audio diaries and and written things mm -hmm. to pick up and just kind of like background information. And I very seldomly care about any of it. It just seems kind of like this isn't related to the story I'm playing, or if it is, it's just kind of such a, a hollow way to communicate it that it, mm. it kind of leaves me be. But but the lore in this game is is good, you know, and just in just kind of like a way that every every time I felt like I I found something, you know, little little holographic display or or email correspondences between people, it was it was engagingly written, which is unusual mm. in its own right. And it was just so interesting, you know, they mm. they really just built up, you know, three worlds on top of each other of kind of the world of the past, the world of these kind of designers making the, the Zero Dawn project and the world you're living in now. And they they meshed together in a way that is really kind of represents like the best the best of science fiction where it's where it's human beings and and scientific concepts and all of these things coming together in a way that you know i i love this medium but video games don't often go that far and i've really appreciated it yeah i thought it was uh, a really yeah, engaging sci-fi yarn properly uh, intelligent grown-up sci-fi as well um which yeah i perhaps wasn't ready for given the history of space nuts <laughs> yeah, similar experience really <laughs> Um, not that there's anything, you know, there's a lot of fun to be had in shooting space Nazis. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. But, uh, but yeah, this was, uh, this was more thoughtful and, uh, yeah. And, and obviously, yeah, really resonated with some people, including, uh, including magical isopod there on our forum, mm -hmm. uh, to the, yeah, to really seriously affecting degree, which is, uh, yeah, great, yeah, great testament to, to Gorilla's work. Um, I, I think, uh, I've also seen some criticisms about the actual, uh, storytelling in the way that um actually there are some uh cutscenes and stuff that have obviously been uh afforded a lot more time and effort yeah, and money than definitely. others there's there's quite a lot of uh the actual character to character stuff which is delivered with very very rigid static almost kind of you know almost sort of um oblivion era kind of face-to-face yeah. -face <laughs> shots now i'm not you know the, the the facial animation is obviously is well beyond uh bethesda mid-2000s but the actual the actual uh delivery mm -hmm. system of a lot of the story was i felt quite it did feel um you know especially given in this astonishing technological wonderland that you're in in terms of you know triple a yeah. graphics and that the rest of the time it felt like they hadn't, for whatever reason, been able to 
give that quite as much attention, which I, I thought maybe undersold things in in cases just certain cases just slightly. Yeah, I I, I agree totally. Um, plenty of those cutscenes they seem to have like a lot of the, a lot of the characters have the same uh, body movements, so like they they all do that kind of shuffling arm thing, mm. like up and down and and. Um, so that kind of like sells or, or kind of doesn't sell the idea that all these people are individuals. <laughs> like it's just kind of, mm-hmm. they all kind of like flow together in my mind. Um, and I, th- I agree like the juxtaposition of like this incredibly detailed face of like, like her skin has like all these little pores and, and freckles and you know, their, their eyebrows will move all certain ways, but then like there's their mouths just kind of do the little bop, bop, bop kind of like movements. Like yeah, slightly sometimes. Thunderbirdsy whiskers on people. Yeah, and so, you yeah, know, it's, like, it's really yeah. strange. Like so, mm. I think mixed bag. Well, yeah, mixed bag. But we'll come to it later with the Frozen Wilds. But it seems to be a, a criticism that they heard because yes. in the Frozen Wilds, it's significantly improved. I always yeah. had this impression that there was like an A team and a B team, and mm. there was mm-hmm. like you'll come across certain characters, like the very first Hunter's Lodge guy that you encounter within. Um, mother's heart or, or you, you you speak to him and his facial animation his um you know his eye movement like his well general sort of facial animation is is really good and i i found myself like really impressed by some of the characters and then like you'll get another side quest with a character who feels really stiff in comparison yeah. and stuff puppety yeah so you know there may be variable yeah and I, as you the problem with a lot of this stuff is you don't know where in the production that this stuff yeah, came in. So it might definitely. be that that guy was towards the end of the production schedule or whatever, that, that by then they'd got to grips with whatever tools they were using and they mm-hmm. got a bit more confidence in terms of animation. Or they ran out of time. <laughs> yeah, was, there, there could be any the number around, of reasons yeah. with this stuff. Yeah, we know that uh, development started in the early 2010s as well, around mm-hmm. the time of the release of, say, Mass Effect 3 or something. So... Mm-hmm. Um, this was, you know, they started making this game in the pre 4K era, pre, you know, pre PS4 Pro era and whatever else. So uh, it's not surprising when a game's been in development that long that maybe some elements come out a little bit feeling a little bit more old fashioned than others. But right. then by the same token, uh, that doesn't it doesn't seem to have applied to the open world itself. Back to I hate numbers 23 who says, Horizon does almost nothing new. It's an open-world RPG, complete with all the expected genre tropes. What I did not anticipate was how painfully dull it all was. The dead-eyed mission givers, the endless checklists, none of it felt unique. The main campaign's gameplay wasn't anything out of the ordinary either. In fact, the final boss is a painfully evident rehash of a previous set piece. Your options in combat are very limited and get repetitive quickly. The Uncharted-style climbing is uninspired. I could go on. So why do I like this game so much? Let me preface this part by saying that the story has severe pacing issues with hours of content that either needed to be cut for being inconsequential or fleshed out to have the impact it needs. Good, that's all the negatives sorted. Ashley Birch's heartfelt performance as both Aloy and Elizabeth is what elevates Horizon above most other titles in this regard. Lance Reddick too deserves an honourable mention for his brilliant portrayal of the mysterious explorer Silence. Both characters are motivated by one thing, curiosity. As it happens, it's what keeps us as players going too. Aloy's search for her mother leads her to understand how this world came to be, why the world of the old ones perished, and what her purpose in life is. Obviously, Aloy being the chosen one need not surprise us, but other revelations aren't nearly as obvious. One thing I loved was how the eponymous Project Zero Dawn and Operation Enduring Victory just made sense in a weird way. 
If you've got a self-replicating robot army running on biofuel, that's trouble. If you tell the world's population that there's no chance of survival, that's unworkable. If you secretly work out how to disable that robot army and reboot the biosphere after that, that only makes sense. The reveal of Sobek's Project Zero Dawn is something I've rewatched countless times. It all comes together in this cutscene. Music, acting, visuals, writing, etc. The answers given weren't obvious or far-fetched, but give this great aha moment when it suddenly makes sense to have these odd mechanical creatures roaming around the game world. A more low-profile way in which Horizon excels are the plentiful recordings from around the time of the world of the old ones, i.e. effectively our society, was destroyed. Faced with imminent destruction, the people still alive in underground facilities reminisced about the past, sang songs, spoke of their darkest secrets, their very being on display to those living centuries later. I'm a history student. I've read a lot of primary sources from antiquity to World War II, diaries, letters, wills, reports, etc. They can evoke powerful emotions that I will never forget. This experience the Dutch historian Johan Huizinga called the historical sensation, a subjective and implausible connection that arises between the long-deceased creator of a source and its reader today. I like to think of it as a one-way conversation between the past and the present. History speaks to us, we just can't talk back. Horizon is a piece of fiction, but the voices of the old ones echo the harrowing realities of the darkest days on Earth. They're a believable portrayal of the human spirit in its most vulnerable state. They're not flashy or snarky or satirical. They're genuine. So yeah, that's talking about the uh, yeah the power of of the audio logs uh, in mm. you know waxing lyrical about this uh, this aspect of of modern games design, which has become almost a you know a cliche. And and I know as Jacob sort of alluded to earlier, the amount of games I've played with, you know, extensive codices or, or books that you can collect that I've barely looked at for more than a minute. But in this game, I'm not saying I read every single bit of text because there's yeah. a lot of it and we were on a time limit, but certainly I was absolutely hooked on the audio diaries and the, and the hologram uh, diaries. And I really felt that I got to know these, uh, these old ones who are, yeah, essentially people from the near future as, as we know are. Ashley then, um, Ashley Birch, I should say, playing Aloy. Uh, I didn't really know anything about her until re researching for this uh, mm. show. Um, now I'm aware of her uh, video YouTube video series that started about 10 years oh, ago. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Ash, what you're playing? Um, <laughs> some of which now hasn't dated too well in that there's some, some quite sort of un-PC content, which I, apparently she regrets herself these days. Um, I know she's also had a, 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 an interesting and, and occasionally tragic life. Uh, she was uh, mm -hmm. dating an actor, the love of her life, uh, who sadly died. Um, and I think, uh, although you know, there's she has to do an awful lot of heavy lifting in this game, and she must have had to deliver hundreds and thousands of lines. Uh, yeah, definitely thousands. Um, and I think there are a few where there's a little bit too much kind of trembly voiced earnestness, but overall mm. I think she's just absolutely terrific. Like, um, and on a tech level, there's a few too many repeated resource baselines. Oh, I'll take some of that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which I don't think was quite as necessary as the developers thought it was, but, uh, but overall I think Ashley Birch was uh, tremendous. And yeah, yeah. I, I just loved Aloy. Had no kind of attraction towards her in, in that way. <laughs> but I just thought she was super cool and I just loved, you know, being, I was happy to be her the whole time. I felt entirely comfortable in this character. Like it felt someone that I was very happy to, yeah, I was kind of role playing as, but also it didn't feel, I didn't feel more disconnected 
than you know than yeah i i felt that the character both in the performance and the way she was sort of you know her visual style um was like a breath of fresh air to be honest i um i was aware of ashley birch before mm. this game yeah. um and i was a big fan of that video series you're talking about hey Ash, what you're mm. playing and i was a huge fan of her as um tiny tina from borderlands 2 yeah um and so i agree that i think she does a great job as aloy but i can't i can't switch off the how silly uh, she is in real well. life yeah mm. yeah like i can't so i had the same problem with um she's uh life is strange um chloe chloe yeah yeah um as to where i just i can't i can't take her seriously hmm. so i like i keep wanting i keep waiting for jokes to happen and so like that's totally not her fault that's not you know that's that's me that's a totally all, all on me hmm. um because, but i think otherwise like yeah i do think she she does do a pretty good job in here and i think i'm I glad think most, i didn't have that because yeah would, yeah it would have been oh man like tiny Tina is one of my favorite characters so so going from as mm. stupid as that character is like i, I love that, that story so but going from that to this is like it's such a drastic change and it honestly shows a range for her um that oh, she's yeah. able to pull off all this stuff so yeah yeah um th- th- i read an interesting interview with her about life is strange we're not talking about that game today but uh how she you know for, for chloe and i understand you know as Particularly, Josh on our team had enormous problems oh, yeah. with the with the writing and the uh, the dialogue of that game. But she obviously uh, she had to reach into this this uh, horrific uh, occurrence in her in her own life in a very tragic past to play this mm-hmm. character. So certainly, when I played Life is Strange, um, her performance was not one of the issues I had with it. And yeah, uh, same. Yeah. But I wouldn't have guessed. I, I don't don't think I would have made the the voice connection just purely by hearing. Yeah, in fact, I I definitely right. didn't. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I do also like how um, uh, she's not uh, she's not an asexual character, which would be fine if she was. But like you know, there are there are both men and women who have demonstrated interest in her throughout yeah. the game, yeah. mm-hmm. and and she kind of flirts back. You know, it's not like yeah. you know she's not she's not cold, but it's just very clear. Like that's not what I'm here to do right now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, that totally. that yeah. um and and you have some like very funny interactions that are you know like referencing like. You know, you're <laughs> she's she's like a a young woman. I'm sure there are many people in this wasteland who would go into various things, but just kind of it's all played with a with a light hand, and it never becomes the point yeah. of what her quest is. Um, yeah. And I felt like this could have very easily gone in ways that would have been uh, mm-hmm. just kind of like minimizing or whatever. And I I thought they walked that tightrope really well. Yeah. I suppose maybe some of the side quests uh, make the idea that she's always on track, focusing on the main task, uh, make, makes that a little hollow when she's collecting yeah, yeah. cups for a guy. But then it is always feeding into her progression as a character, isn't it? In, in, ter- mm. in Not in terms of her personality, in terms of her abilities. Um, because, but yes, this is the... Uh, our old friend Ludo narrative dissonance, I suppose. Oh, but we do know, we do know from the very beginning that she's incredibly curious about yeah, the old world, true. and so I feel like it's not, she's not kind of just collecting random items. She is collecting things that that tell yeah. her more about what came sure. before. And if she's collecting cups for another guy, it's because the other guy has a box of exciting trinkets that will aid her in taking <laughs> down sure. giant robots. So yeah, uh, mm. Jobo Bonobo from the forum says the story tells you the way that the world got to be the way it is through dribs and drabs throughout the game, and I was always pushed on to learn more. What I really really appreciated about the story is that Horizon addresses something that many end-of-the-world plots in video games rarely touch upon. True gravity 
of a complete mass extinction event and how the loss of biodiversity affects humans in an emotional way. As someone who thinks the current mass extinction crisis is one of the most pressing environmental issues on the planet, it was great to see a game explicitly acknowledge this and how a less biodiverse world is a poorer, bleaker one. The audio tape of a distraught biologist failing to collect enough DNA samples of the spectacular birds of paradise and realising his failure in ensuring this lineage will not be making a return in the new world created by Gaia was one of the most poignant moments in the game for me and captured the true sense of mourning that the scientists had for the many inhabitants of Earth who were being extinguished due to the short-sighted greed of the Pharaoh Corporation. It also, of course, dealt with humanity itself having to come to grips with its possible extinction and the complete desperation of trying to make sure that they could leave some descendants to ensure that humans may have a second chance and learn from the mistakes of the old world. Speaking of the beauty of the world, let's talk aesthetics, art design and visuals. Uh, Joe81 from the forum says, I just wanted to comment on how utterly breathtaking the visuals are in Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm currently playing this with a launch PS4 on a 1080p display. Even lacking 4K, this is the first video game in years that has me just stopping slack-jawed to stare at the scenery. The lighting is the most realistic I've seen in a game, with the colours being indistinguishable to my eyes from the ones in our own world. I've never used a photo mode before now and initially scoffed at seeing the menu item, but now, 45 hours in, I find myself using it all the time just to show my non-gaming partner, which to my mind is pretty good praise. It's it's tempting. I know they came out in similar times. They there are similarities between this and Breath of the Wild. And obviously, Breath of the Wild is a more stylized game, that, but one that runs in a much lower resolution. Um, and that game absolutely blows me away in lots of ways too. But in terms of a, an open world that comes as close to looking kind of you know completely realistic in a kind of heightened way, because this this land is this kind of microcosmic version of earth with all its you know all its different environments crammed into a fairly right small to each area. other yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um i have i can't remember having a game where i was yeah exactly as described here um and we're talking we're recording this two days after red dead redemption 2 comes out which <laughs> yeah. may move things on even further in some ways but uh this game i thought was breathtakingly jaw-droppingly beautiful almost constantly um mm. yeah just incredible yeah i feel like um I feel like there there are biomes in this game. You know, we, every every open world game seems to have like the forest section and the the snow section and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I had never seen them the way that they were portrayed here. Like like jungles are so common or forests, but like walking through the the jungle at night in Horizon is mm. is unlike anything I have ever seen. The way the kind of like the moon comes between the leaves of the trees mm-hmm. and it's just like you know these areas of light and then just complete blackness um it's it's funny that um that joe 81 referenced uh, his non-gaming partner because my my roommate is not a gamer at all but refers to horizon as the most beautiful game ever just kind of like out of hand yeah. she's like why aren't you playing horizon <laughs> yeah I, I wasn't too surprised considering how how great gorillas games looked previously like i mean yeah you know they probably don't hold up too well now i i, I haven't played because on two or three uh, i remember lately, people but... talking when ps4 launched about how pretty shadowfall was yeah so. yeah that was that was one thing the game actually does nail is its visuals um but so uh, while i wasn't shocked at, at their their ability to do it like i still is it is yeah it's gorgeous like the the, the that kind of green night that like 
usually doesn't happen very often, like even in real life, but you, you, it does seem like, you know, it, it, gave me, it gave me a little bit of nostalgia, like just seeing it and feeling it. Mm. And yeah, I just, I, I thought it was gorgeous. And, and it's the, the fact that you can walk the whole thing as well, like there mm-hmm. are, if, if you fast travel, there's loading, but this, sure, this, yeah. this game mm. is, con- is totally yep. contiguous. Yeah. Uh, and you will, if you do, if you don't, if you elect not to fast travel and you walk from area to area, you can kind of visit many of the world's mm-hmm. our world's most kind of uh, striking and prevalent and distinct environments mm-hmm. and as you go through days and nights and weather cycles uh, uh, yeah all of them i think are you know just so yeah. evocative uh joe bobonobo says the graphics are drop dead gorgeous even in regular old hd never mind 4k uh, <laughs> jordonia says i played this game both with and without a ps4 pro and in both cases this game looked stunning there were multiple times I would sit there and just look at this beautiful world and take in the scenery. I still think Horizon Zero Dawn is the most beautiful game I have ever played. Yeah, let's talk sound as well then. Uh, I feel like some kind of ridiculous uh, Sony fanboy, which I'm really not. I'm not an anyone fanboy, but I was playing this on a Sony Bravia 4K TV <laughs> on a PS4 Pro with my Sony PlayStation Platinum headphones in with 3D sound as well. Um, so I, I really got the benefit of the uh, the sound design. Yeah, again, similarly uh, arresting uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and immersive. I found uh, yeah. no, I don't, I can't think of any elements to the actual the sort of the the sound that were maybe maybe the maybe the um maybe the when you shoot a fox, it sounds a bit more like a bird. That's my, that's my main <laughs> criticism. Right. I mean, it's one of those incredible things when when you think about the process of designing sound for a game mm. like this. It's like, where do you even start? You know, how how would you kind of like decide what shooting a, a watcher in the eye should sound like versus, you oh, know, yeah, like yeah, a million yeah. other metallic sounds? And yet they all just sound, you know, I never even thought about it because they just are right on every time. Every yeah. time I did something, mm. the reaction felt exactly like I wanted that reaction to feel. Um, mm-hmm. I really like the the tear blast arrows, the one that would kind of like send yeah. out a shockwave every no, time you hit something with that and kind of knock something off. It felt <laughs> yeah. so good. The environmental sounds are amazing in terms of just wherever you are on the map, but it's the mm. machine sounds that, oh, that yeah. just stick yeah. with me. They, that like that stuff was just. I mean, not like. I mean, as a as an entire sort of unit where you've got the animation, which is incredible on the machines. Yeah. Like I think that's something I've just spent. I found myself on, on on even now when I'm still playing the game, I'll hide in a bush or I'll stealth in a bush and just watch them doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing all the moving parts on these things and the fact that they're removable for the most part as well if you use yeah, them yeah. to yeah. tear blast and stuff. And it's just, but it's the sound, and it's the fact that the sound actually you can hear, you know what they're going to do by the sounds yeah. they're making and mm-hmm. it's like that that whole level of like especially when you're playing this on the harder difficulties and you, you're you're really hesitant about approach you know it, you're really cautious when it comes to approaching fights mm-hmm. with some of these it's using the audio as much as like what you can see as well you know you yeah. can tell they're yeah. charging up but you can hear them so if you've got one behind you you know it's about to charge so you're you're running exactly. for cover you're yeah. diving out of the way and stuff and it was just really the... fearsome animations as well like the, oh, yeah. the when the um I, I don't remember all of the names i'm sorry uh massive law fans uh the the giant alligators 
Snapjaw. Snapjaw, of course. When they leap out the water at you first time, it's like, you know, you (laughs) see them doing their alligator crocodile thing of Mm -hmm. of just, you know, sliding around and you just see their, their eyes above the water or whatever. But when they really clock you and they just fully launch themselves Mm. out of the water (laughs) at you. And even the, and like it's, yeah, the, the ones, the, um, okay the chickens <laughs> yeah that i don't remember uh they, long legs the, long, the long yeah. legs where they where they do that sort of multi-kick defensive yeah. maneuver towards <laughs> you there's yeah and they're all you know um we talk about obviously difficulty and and player uh advancement character advancement but actually even when like, i'm level 53 or something now and i can you can still get taken out really quickly mm-hmm. um so yeah. the combination of the the power of these animations and the and the power of the monsters is it it means that they're always they're always daunting there there does yeah. come a point where you know that you can take down you know one or two things without too much trouble or mm-hmm. you know you can do it without even without them even knowing you were there but the the bigger monsters remain terrifying i think oh yeah right and and throughout. one of the things that i think both the sound and the animations do really well is communicate that um like part of part of why the story is so good is that these aren't just enemies to be killed they're mm. all there for a purpose. And yeah. so if you sneak up on on one of them, you can see them doing things that are in some way restoring yeah. the earth. And that's just mm. it's just fascinating to watch them like kind of grinding up rocks or like, mm. you know, kind of grazing in, in ways that have all been carefully designed and spelled out. Like, this mm. is why we need this machine to do it. And it just makes them feel so real even though they're even in the game they're they're ais but you just you kind of never question it yeah i I was going to mention that because in this game for resources you do do some actual hunting of real animals that Mm -hmm. are uh still there or have come back um goats and turkeys and uh, owls and and things like this um and i still get the you know i'm a vegetarian not like a, a militant vegan or anything but um but i don't I still get the the slight qualm every time I shoot a pig in the head, basically in a video game. But actually, the um the the, the fact that these robots are robots, um, I thought would completely make me, you know, it would it would remove that element of the empathy, yeah. uh, of empathy totally. But actually, because they're so animal like, even though they're made <laughs> of wires and metal and cells and solar Mm-hmm. uh panels and all this kind of thing um there was still a certain sympathy for them especially mm. especially when they um some of them you know you can kind of send them into a into a limp and whatever and and yeah. they were just minding their own business and you've gone and you know <laughs> torn them torn them a new one exactly right. i mean the first time i fought a sawtooth now a sawtooth is like the i guess it, you, the nearest or real life equivalent would be um a, you know saber tooth yeah. cat or whatever but the um they're terrifying creatures to take on for the first time because they're huge. Yeah. But you get to the point where it's held down and it's limping, its back yeah. leg is dragging, and I was like, I'm amazed that I feel guilty now. I'm really kind of <laughs> especially given be- the amount of monsters you've killed in video games. Yeah. And <laughs> but it's it's and it's tied it's totally tied into the to the animation. It's just mm. that animation is so good. Of it and 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 the sound the audio as well because in some sometimes they'll whimper you can hear mm. them like as yeah. if they're in pain and and stuff and and that it's so it, I mean it didn't stop me from you know the way I looked at it then was I had to put it out of his misery I wasn't going to leave it yeah. but um 
you know, and I needed the parts. Just like you've done a billion times in Monster Hunter World, yeah. Yeah, but it, but it, and yeah, I mean, Monster Hunter World does a similar thing with that, but it yeah. doesn't convey it in the same way. And I never really felt guilt mm. about that in the in the same way that mm. I felt. And, and and maybe it's just the the quality of the animation and the quality of the sound work that's gone into it. I think one is just that bit more, that little bit more convincing in, mm. in terms mm. of what the creature's feeling or or, or whatever. Yeah. Total tangent for me, but I, I'm complete opposite of with Monster Hunter World in this game. Like I had, I had no issue really uh, taking down these things because they're machines. Like this yeah. is this has kind of always been a thing. Like for me, is games that ask me games or stories or movies, whatever that need me to be um, feeling a certain way about robots. Uh, I I almost most of the time, it's not every time, but most of the time, I kind of don't I don't get there. Like I, in my head, I'm still like these yeah. are still just machines. They're still just robots. Like, there's not really anything in there. And Interesting future for you, my right. friend. Right. Uh, <laughs> did you play Detroit yet? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, you know, I did. I, there's. Uh, how did you feel about the the kind of bigger AIs, the like Gaia and and ones that were were much more human like? Human, yeah. It's it, uh, honestly still the same. So I I just I keep seeing, and I think something like okay, so Detroit is a little different, but. Because for me, like the animation in Detroit kind of helped me. Uh, I know I'm speaking to the wrong audience here. It kind of <laughs> helped me um, empathize. just empathize a little bit more Humanize. than yeah. than something like the the facial animations in a game like this, where it's not totally 100%, you know, there. Um, but also, go, mm-hmm. you know, being, uh, I have to bring up, I have to get one dig at Americans and guns in every podcast. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you're brought up basically shooting and hunting animals like they're, like they don't feel anything <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. well, yeah, that's, uh, well, that's the thing. Like for Monster Hunter, like that was a huge barrier for me in terms of walking up to these monsters that are huh. doing nothing. They're just chilling. They're hanging uh, out. Not all of them. Not all, not of, them. all of them. But the, the, a lot of the first ones that you come across. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so I walk up to them and I just start beating the crap out of them for nothing. Mm. For a, you know, for a I guess. For <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the way I feel about like real world hunters now. You know, they, they kill these animals and then those. So it did have the it. effect that I thought Horizon would for me, which is actually that means that you can just think, look at you, your spare parts. I'm going to make yeah. you into, into, the, <laughs> yeah. into the component yeah. parts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even if you don't know that you are. So the music uh, was mainly uh, composed by Yoris Deman, who had worked on the Killzone games previously. Uh, there's some flavor music composed by The Flight. I think we featured some of that on Sound of Play before, uh, courtesy of Jay. Uh, there's also contributions from uh, Niels van der Liest and Jonathan Williams. I'm not sure how it's broken down. But yeah, overall, I, I thought that the score was tremendous as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually really like the main theme. I think that it's yeah, um, it's it's nice how recognizable it is, and so they can kind of come back to it with different mm, instrumentation yes, sure. in like yeah. different emotional moments, and you're kind of mm. reminded of like ah, this is one overarching story, but this is this is a more exciting part, or it's this her is a story, more kind yeah. of down part. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. It just sounded it, it just reminded me a lot of Dragon Age and things like that, which it, mm. it sounds you know. Whereas a lot of the I, I found a lot of the music that was actually used in the game you know during gameplay was was a mm. bit more uh, original that said there's some uh, there's some area themes uh, and again talking about frozen wilds there's some absolutely beautiful violin stuff in the uh, just when you're mm. wandering around in in frozen wilds well let's talk gameplay then we've sort of we've touched on it a little but uh 
the uh, you know the small matters about playing a video game like controls and <laughs> user interface and and mm. and things like that. Um, start us off. Joe Bobonobo says even the cliche of climbing radio towers had a unique spin through scaling tall necks. These massive brontosaurus-like robots with satellite dishes for heads. Uh, yeah, and we also obviously we want to talk about just getting around. We talked a little about riding, but actually locomotion. Um, I remember reading it was quite. Uh, again, compared to Breath of the Wild, it felt quite limited. Um, but actually, I found it was it was far more free than I was expecting. Mm. Um, it's uh, you know, there's a certain amount of scrambling you can do. Certain areas are are blocked off to just jumping up them. But there are certain climbs that you can do without it being a prescripted set of uh, you know set of platforms that you can cling on to. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of gameplay to this in the sense of there's multiple systems at work in 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 the modern AAA style and um, I think, you know, some people will look at the map, which is, you know, very quickly becomes absolutely uh, flooded with icons that you can <laughs> you can filter. And I think, you know, I understand that some people have open world fatigue and, and the the idea of this. But um, but I found that, yeah, I mean, what can I say? 60 something hours has absolutely mm. flown by and I would happily carry on if I didn't have more to do. I think that it's all very it hang, all hangs together incredibly well. Yeah. And I think the the key thing for me, like the thing that you ultimately spend most of the time doing other than traversing is fighting these robot monsters. And I think there's a certain there's probably a certain segment of uh of game commentators and and players and and I'm sure you know I'm sure their opinions are are absolutely founded and genuine who uh crave a very authored experience in terms of encounter design um so you know where bosses are always in exactly the same arena and it's mm -hmm. designed to be that boss fight in that arena and and the behavior is that way but actually the thing that i love about the gameplay in horizon is that lots of different scenarios can play out organically and mm -hmm. the you know the the dodge rolling and the the bow work and the the melee work is all you know really solid i think but the fact that you can start a fight with one kind of monster which has its own very deep set of tactics that you have to navigate if you you know if you want you could you can chip you can chip damage it for all you like mm -hmm. but you can speed up any encounter by knowing its weaknesses and using one of your huge arsenal weapons to chip things down you can end up in a fight with three or four different enemy types i'm pretty sure the game does some quite clever things to make sure that the game never gets you know, kind of grinds to a halt. Yeah. Um, but you can still end up in situations where you're being dive bombed by glint hawks. Uh, you've got like bucking broncos kicking at you. You've got alligators <laughs> jumping out of the water at the, at the same time. And you've got this kind of constant mental ballet thinking, you know, prioritizing the next enemy, thinking about how to, which bits to tear off which enemy, which mm -hmm. type of ammo to use on which enemy, which ones you can possess to take, to, you know, distract yeah. the others. Yeah. I just thought it was wonderful. Like just, uh, it was like a kind of, um, like a combat sandbox, um, mm -hmm. the likes of which I used to to dream about. Yeah, I think um, if I had one criticism, and I I very much like the combat, um, but I think on the on the bigger machines, especially the ones that have mounted weapons on them, I felt like I kind of always approached them the same way. You know, on the on the like. The kind of mid-size mm -hmm. ones, there were a lot mm -hmm. that, that had, you know, lots of ways to kind of take them down. 
but as you as you really stepped up the food chain i felt like there was kind of a dominant strategy often to to Mm -hmm. doing it and i felt like sometimes i kind of gamed the fun out of it for myself where where Mm. you do have so many options but i knew that shooting off the thunder jaws cannon and then just blasting away at it with that cannon would work pretty much every time and so then i i just kind of stuck with that and i wish that there were Mm -hmm. you know more more things that maybe would would different variations of the big ones just to make the same strategies not work exactly the same every time okay Mm. yeah Yeah, i'd agree with that i think Mm. um the only thing that i found was when i went i played it on ultra hard that it was um i had to i mean it was it's again very similar to the witcher and i suppose many games where you when you up the difficulty is that you've got to really think strategically about you've got to know all your weapons as well and know what they do because i i found that things like the thunder jaw you would aim for its weapon you could take it, it would take an extra tear blast arrow to take it off as well so you know it it on that first shot it knows where you are and it starts attacking straight away and if there's anything else in that area that's going to aid it because basically everything will attack you on site. And it became a case of like, okay, so I've got to use like the rope caster and stuff like that to try and pin it down first and then take those things off. And meanwhile, I got to take care of those um, watches at the same time and stuff mm. like that. And, you know, it, it became a really mm. interesting dynamic because you weren't necessarily going straight in for, for the, you know, taking the parts off it. You mm. were thinking of like, okay, you need to prioritize targets here because if you get yeah. the wrong one, you're dead. Like it would take, you know, you, you, or you just basically get overwhelmed and you have to run out of that area and just get the hell out mm-hmm. of there. I went into it only because the, the trophy was attached to it. I thought, I've got to do this. But I actually found myself really enjoying it, like mm-hmm. really getting into the combat and stuff. Um, I didn't click with it in the same way with even The Witcher. I found that the, the harder setting was too hard and it actually pulled me out of the game because it didn't feel like Geralt would be taken out by a pack of wolves, you know, but when he <laughs> yeah. did, like yeah. in, in like five seconds, I'm dead because I, you know, they got behind me or something. It's true, yeah. actually. It, Aloy being taken out by a couple of watchers does not seem no, exactly, beyond the realms yeah. of possibility because mm-hmm. they are like velociraptor robots. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just loved it. I just got incredibly, incredibly strong memories of, um, yeah, just certain moments of certain fights where, you know, I would end up using the environment, like, yeah, almost glitching the game in the way that, you know, somebody might associate with a Souls game or like standing in a certain place where they can't get you and, and chipping away at it. I had a couple mm. of those with, with tough fights, but I felt like it was, it felt legit in the, in the context of the game. Like I've, I've crawled into a tiny crevice that the monster can't get me in and I can, it, you know it's still mad and yeah. i'm still going to i'm still going <laughs> to aggro it still it's still going to attack me um but i'm going to keep tripping it up and blowing it with blowing it up with stuff as it comes towards me um but then yeah just certain certain shots of like the the stormbird swooping down at you and uh me using the uh whatever the gun is that shoots all the little metal arrows off yeah. the rattler uh, yeah. uh set you know just flooding it with those metal bolts and and yeah just like real incredible hero moments action movie kind of you know feeling like you're part of some kind of you know cinematic cg epic uh yeah just i just loved it uh talking about traversal again uh, it's obviously a a fair part of the game certainly if when dealing with um 
collect and collecting stuff up. Joe Bobonobo says the only problem with the game is that climbing the mountains can be tricky sometimes due to some parts, some parts being scalable and others not. And you can end up in a dead end if you climb the wrong part of the mountain, which ended up happening to me on uh, on a few occasions. I'd say that's that's fair, but it not a major deal. And I actually got stuck in scenery for the first time earlier after 60 odd hours. Never happened before, um, but I was able to fast travel out of the out of the lock. So yeah, I'd like you know. to see um, maybe not like a full Breath of the Wild climb everything, go anywhere, but like mm. a little more engaged. Um, just kind of being able to choose your own grapple points or or scale things because it I did agree, seem kind yeah. of out of place that it had these kind of like uncharted painted yellow pieces mm-hmm, of wood, totally. and that's what you yeah. can climb up. And and yeah. the rest of the game is so flexible that I feel like it would really fit in to be able to to kind of choose on your own how you want it to scale something. Yeah. It made more sense in the in the man-made areas uh, under the earth that there were you know yellow highlighted ladders, but the but the sort of rock climbing stuff. Um, I th- I felt like it was a bit more organic than the equivalents in certain games like Uncharted because there were sometimes there were multiple handholds. Sometimes there was one that you look like you're reaching for and you're actually jumping for a lower one. So it tried to keep it a bit more interesting than the jump to this platform. Then mm-hmm. you jump to this platform and that is what you will do. The kind of non-platforming platforming that has become a bit synonymous with AAA game design, which is basically push the controller in the right direction <laughs> and press the right yeah. button at some yeah. point and you will traverse, which I understand yeah. for some people is, is not the same as playing a video game. Uh, stealth is obviously uh, can play a large part depending on how you kit yourself mm. out and how you choose to play. I felt that uh, I'm somebody who doesn't traditionally enjoy lots of stealth, but I do like certain scenarios playing out where uh, you can at least start off a fight and and make like at least change the odds in your favor before it all kicks off. Like I I get frustrated yeah. with games where as soon as you are spotted, that is it. Stealth is over. Uh, and it is now a mm-hmm. an on the ground fight. This game, I think, has a good um, a good balance of that in the sense that while I would say that uh, fighting humans, which does happen a, a lesser amount, is not as exciting as fighting giant robots, uh, and the AI of the humans is is not particularly yeah uh, is, is a bit uh, moribund. Um, you can at least go round a bandit camp and have I, I had a lot of fun like picking off all the sentries um yeah. and all the the people who weren't paying any attention before then <laughs> ultimately ending up in a you know a bit more of a a bit more of a skirmish when there was just a few of them left yeah for me i don't know if it's just i'm not that good at the game or whatever but i, I felt like the stealth was a lot more enjoyable in the human areas like the, like you're saying the bandit camps okay. um, because a lot of the uh the the machines as they move around like they have a set path but sometimes i feel like i'd walk up to it and i'm clearly like i should be in the hit r1 to do a silent strike area and it's just not hitting and then eventually mm. it turns right around because it notices i'm there and then all of a sudden stealth is gone so i i felt like that didn't happen as often with humans um mm. so i appreciated that the option was there and and, and you know for i guess for the most part it worked but there was there was a few times where i noticed that the stealth Probably should have kicked in, um, but but the monsters, but it didn't. Uh, be 2 k from the forum talking about the stealth mainly says, I really liked Horizon's environment and I enjoyed the way it told a story through its big story pieces that developed an interesting narrative and I thought the overall amount of tools that were given to the player in combat were very well thought out and gave a nice variety of options. It was just a shame 
that the inhabitants of this wonderful world were the biggest, most infuriating pains I have had to play against in a long time. More precisely, it was the world that was always against you. There was hardly a safe spot to go to or a place you could simply just wander. The area was so dense with violent robots that the combat, which initially feels exciting, can become a complete drudge. By halfway through the game, I was actively avoiding as much of it as I could, running past everything and making consistent use of the fast travel just because I could never stop without a set of red eyes turning my way. The best game worlds are those where there is downtime between the ups, a chance to appreciate where you are before it all kicks off. Horizon has a tiny sliver of that, but it never lasts. All of which would be okay if the stealth was up to much, but it feels incredibly half-baked. You may get one or two stealth kills out in the wild, but as soon as you are seen the game is, it, is, the game is up, it's full-on assault at that stage, which just becomes tiresome after a while. All of this is a real shame because the lore, the idea and the execution of the story parts provided a fascinating context to a game that got a lot of the fundamentals right. The movement and the combat at the start was very good and dynamic, with the creature designs and the idea of targeting specific areas lending more of a tactical element than just treating them as bullet sponges. It starts so well, but by the end, I just felt like I was trudging through a world that did not want me to be there. Uh, well, it kind of doesn't yeah. in the story. Yeah. That's... <laughs> I, I thought, I thought they, I, for me, they managed the balance of a boring empty open world yeah, and yeah. a hostile open world perfectly yeah. like that I, I i totally found there are places you can be you just got to keep your yeah. eyes open which seems mm -hmm. appropriate yeah i mean there was definitely fights where like if i'm in an area um heading sort of in the uh sort of meridian and stuff like that where there's a lot of glint hawks i would actively run past that section just to oh, avoid yeah. them yeah absolutely. Um, yeah sometimes you don't need it's just simply you don't need the hassle yeah. yeah, that's it. It's like I, the, there's nothing that I need from them, so I'm just literally just going to waste resources yeah. fighting them and, and time. And none of them chase you for very long. Like they, they no. will chase you a little bit, but you, you'll most of the time get right by them. You can outrun them. Yeah. yeah. There's mm. also a, a stealth sprint on the on the skill tree, so you can mm. pretty much yeah you can avoid combat that you don't want to have. And actually, you know, the photo mode and people's engagement with that, I think, actually pretty much proves that you can spend as much time. Oh, uh, yeah. just hanging around yeah. looking at the world if you want so i don't know maybe derek didn't get uh didn't get far enough down the skill tree maybe he finished the game and just always felt that way but uh, it's an interesting take but yeah doesn't resonate for me uh, one one thing that i would agree with with the crowded world is they've got to do something about their map screen man it's it's like it is it is such just a, a visual clutter when you when yeah. you zoom out and and i feel like they could have there were ways of of kind of decluttering that and mm -hmm. it yeah. mm -hmm. i feel like for the most part this doesn't fall prey to a lot of kind of like open world trappings but that yeah. that really felt just kind of like overwhelming and not useful every time i looked at it i guess the map got designed early on and then they started adding more and more things yeah. for the player to do <laughs> and by the end you've got this yeah kind of it's almost yeah it's like a a, a gamer humor cliche yeah. now of the, of the map but actually yeah. I, I you know i never felt overwhelmed by it in the sense that it didn't feel like i had to do anything i didn't want to do um i found most of the the pastimes enjoyable in and of themselves um and the things that i didn't particularly want to do i just didn't really need to do you don't have to do anything that you don't want to you'll get enough xp just by playing through the bits that mm -hmm. you want to play yeah. through um but i yeah I, I i now am at the point where as i am have been mopping up uh, i use the map filter to just look for the things i'm looking for um, yeah leave the campfires on so you know where to fast travel to and 
and then just filter down to yeah purple flower or mm-hmm. uh or the any of the valuable things that your resources or or trinkets items that you're after yeah, and if you, you buy all that them, stuff because yeah i just went and bought the maps almost i mean that's I that's that the too, sort of yeah. thing yeah that's the sort of thing that in any game where i've got the ability to buy maps for for items i'll i'll do that because yeah. it saves so much hassle but um, <laughs> it, it fits in the it's quite, yeah. kind of fits in the game world although maybe not because if if you're selling maps to treasure why not just go and get the treasure exactly well maybe <laughs> it's because they're in either surrounded by monsters or stuff, but how would you know it was there yeah, <laughs> yeah, no fair points, and I and I can again I completely understand why there are uh, there there is a certain amount of resistance to, you know, modern AAA game design where mm. it is it's exactly this kind of thing. It's a huge map with loads of icons, loads of genres have been amalgamated into one oh, yeah. seemingly homogenous piece. It's got RPG, it's got third person action combat, mm. it's you know it's got all this, it's got loot, it's got but actually to me that's not a reason to dismiss a game out of hand i have to experience mm-hmm. it hands on and then find out how all that stuff actually hangs together um yeah. and if you just don't like doing collectathons just don't do them you just don't there's nothing there's nothing to compel you to do them but you might still like the main story and the main thrust mm-hmm. of the game so i don't feel that stuff i don't feel there's any need to feel fatigued by that stuff if it's optional you see what i mean certainly this ticks all the right boxes for me where um, I go to a merchant, I can see what I need, you know, all the high-end gear, and I can see what I have I need to get for that. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm making, like, checklists, you know. It's Raccoon. like, okay, I need to take, I yeah. need to get leveled up because I need to take down a Ravager because I need Ravager parts. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, at this, this point, those things can, like, one shot take me down. And it's just like, okay, so there's, there's this constant pull to get that stuff and then when you eventually get to that level it's like right i've got to get those parts because i want that bow you know or i want these particular you know and all the rest of it it was just it's uh, an interesting take on it that i think that um because a lot of these systems that are included in games like this one modern AAA open world mm. you know games are they're all they're all in themselves all the systems are actually quite uh compared to what we used to play they're quite deep and intricate mm. um but i i feel like there's now uh, yeah again among certain kinds of you know people who appreciate different things and that's yeah. absolutely fair enough is that they feel that when a game kind of has all this different stuff it, it you know it wants its cake and eat and, and to eat mm-hmm. it and it and it and it doesn't have a you know like a, a a pure vision of what a game is but actually i don't you know I, uh, again i think if all the elements are, uh, are treated with the same amount of uh thought and respect and yeah. and and, and a, mm-hmm. appreciation of how they integrate uh and it, and it is a real balancing act i think for me it's like these are the games i was dreaming of when i was a kid like imagine yeah. if you had the role playing of this game and the combat of that game and the, right, and the skill yeah. tree of this game yeah. this is actually why we've ended up here and i understand it's not to everyone's taste but for me it's like i understand why these are the triple a games and yeah. yeah right i mean this it just feels so good you know i can't i can't yeah. kind of get over it. even even something like The Witcher, which has, you know, real-time combat and whatever, like, I would, I would play a linear game that, that felt like this, you know? I think all of the mechanics work kind of absent of the open world and are just accentuated by it, and yeah, it's, it's yeah. really, it's really something special. I completely agree. Uh, yes, not everyone feels the same. We've definitely got a few dissenting voices as well, which is uh, which is always good. There are, as we've said, more tactical possibilities than we've talked about here. Um, 
maybe some more of them will come up as as we talk on. Jordania from the forum says, the game world is filled with creatures that have so much minor detail put into them. I am shocked. I was surprised on how much small debris comes off these things when you hit them. And their AI is one of the first in a game that's caught my eye in terms of how smart they can be. I very much enjoyed sitting there stealthy, thinking for about five to ten minutes on how to take on every encounter that ramped up with even more dangerous foes like the Thunderjaw. I very much enjoyed every encounter with the diverse use of weapons Aloy has at her disposal. I loved all of the different options between the two main bows and the different types of arrows you can use. My only issue with the combat is that I found Frost to be a little too good, especially once you get the sling with the Frost Bomb, but that never made me enjoy the combat less. Is that true? Is that OP? Um, I think it, it's relevant until you get to the frozen wilds because then everything's kind of used to the cold and mm. barely anything is affected by it and it's just suddenly... Uh, what I found was the opposite. I found that fire was the thing that everything seemed to be susceptible to. <laughs> so the, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the combat is really refined. I mean, I'm sure there's room for improvement as as maybe we'll find out with a sequel or whatever, but the... Oh, um yeah. You know, I, I think there were a couple of weapons, like you said earlier. There's a definitely weapons that I never really use that much. There's right. the um, there's the like multiple little launcher. It fires like almost like uh, sparking darts. But I found that that was well. I say honestly, I found that that was kind of useless until I got to um, one of the hunters' lodge missions within the um, frozen wild section. And it's almost like they knew that that weapon wasn't getting used a lot, so they kind of designed a, a particular combat mm-hmm. scenario where it was useful. So you know, again, it's. I think it's it, like, I think you find across uh, multiple players that you'd actually find that pe- different people would say different weapons were useful. Of useless, course, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to talk a little about the f- relatively few set piece arena battles that there are, sort of locked into the story. There's there's a couple against yeah the, uh, it was already mentioned earlier that the the kind of final fight is almost a a, a throwback to one of the earlier mm-hmm. Deathbringer fights uh, mm-hmm. which is you know a big kind of walking tank effectively uh, thing there's uh, one fight against a uh, a particularly angry beast in a gladiatorial arena where you actually have to do a kind of uh, a little bit of almost pseudo physics puzzling but it's really the old get the enemy to run at the wall to knock the thing down mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. mixes things up a bit um none of these I've, i don't think i you know kind of game over to any of these um but i just found them much more kind of obviously they made sense sense in the story but to me they felt less interesting than the out in the wild organic kind of combat um the the arena based fights uh so yeah i don't have the same level of affection for them that I do for the for the kind of the yeah the emergent moments of, mm-hmm. of fighting that I had I did um I really liked the uh the hunter's lodge in general I felt like really challenged you to to kind of it wasn't it wasn't an arena per se but it did always happen in the same place and so you could really kind of think carefully about what you're going oh, to yeah, do yeah right okay um, yeah. but but the very the the end of that in the main game when there's that big thunder jaw that's like killed members Red of the Maul. thing before yeah, yeah. and mm. and the kind of like obnoxious arrogant guy goes up yeah. and just gets like smacked into a wall is <laughs> is one of the funnier yeah. moments in the game and then that that thunder jaw itself has had so much build up that i felt like that that was a much more exciting fight 
it, it feels like a, 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 a amped up version of a Thunder Jaw fight as well. Like it's it's hyper aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's just and it's it's far more prevalent with its its special attack weapons and stuff yeah. like that. And it's just really yeah I, yeah definitely you've got to kind of be on your game with that one. Funnily enough, oh. I think my favourite one of the scripted fights was actually when you're introduced to the fire bellow. Is it? Um, you yeah. you end up you know at the heart of one of these complexes that where they actually make the robots. And, the cauldrons. cauldrons, yeah, cauldrons, yeah. Um, and yeah, this is this is where the fire bellow comes from. And yeah, I'd never seen one before. Um, and it's got this liquid sloshing around in the back of it, which I just think <laughs> looks absolutely amazing, even though it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of daft because it gives you a very obvious shoot here to make this yeah. thing blow up. <laughs> um, but it, it looks great. And yeah, that was like a real intense, oh, I'm trapped in here with this thing and I'm barely a you know, high enough level. And that turned into a real exciting uh, you know, to and fro between me and this hitherto mm-hmm. unseen monster. Um, yeah, the kind of, yeah, for me, the kind of experience I want out of a boss fight, I, I find yeah. the super... Super pre-scripted boss fights of traditional video gaming really quite frustrating nowadays. Uh, obviously, you know they're not all equal, but that that simple learn and execute style um, boss fight. Uh, yeah. you know, maybe it's my age, and maybe it's the amount of times I've done it. But I find this kind of thing where I've got a bit more agency in how the mm-hmm. fight pans out. I find it, I find it more compelling. I really liked the cauldron design. I mean, yeah, the, me the, there was there was something. Each one was. There was a uniqueness to each one in a way, but there was one in particular where it had been almost destroyed or and overrun by the um, the Shadow Kaja, mm. and yeah. they were and so you end up with a and in, that one was quite radically different to all the other sort of cauldrons that you'd faced because you have this as you, even as you're exiting suddenly it turns into a mass fight where yeah. you've got lots of machines coming in and they're they're all fighting one another and you're in them in amongst mm-hmm. them and you can choose to just wait until the winner prevails and then start taking them out or you can just go to town with them and then start taking everything out and it's just yeah i found the way that that sort of that moment worked because you were you you initially go into this area thinking this is going to be you know it's another cauldron okay so you've got a, you feel you've got a, an idea on how that's going to play out then suddenly you get in there and there's all these humans in there and there's all these sort of yeah it's all all this scaffolding everywhere and they're mm-hmm. basically stripping the place out and it's a totally different um approach to it and i i really like that i kind of wish that done I, I mean each one had a a a difference from one yeah. another and not yeah. just because of the monsters but that you had to work your way through and sometimes yep. there's like a traversal puzzle in there in, in a sense and you had to work out how to to get into certain areas and stuff but i, I really like that and also it's visually impressive like those mm-hmm. cauldrons are they're so different to the rest of the mm-hmm. the game mm-hmm. because you're in like basically a manufacturing plant <laughs> yeah. and it's just yeah and the, it, i thought the visual design of those things was was incredible but, yeah, I really yeah. liked how those the cauldrons broke up the gameplay from the rest of the game. Like the, these were basically the Tomb Raider tombs, right? Like you're just kind of yeah. going through, and and they have a very linear path through, but it's still you had to kind of figure out. It, it didn't really like point you in the specific way of how to bust through these things. Mm. And yeah, I, I really liked how they shook things up there. And I also like how there's only I think there's only four of them in the main game, and 
maybe five. I can't remember for sure. Um, but that, that's to me, that was just enough. Like I, if, if there was a couple more, I probably would have got maybe a little bored with them or mm. maybe a little less. And less you, and you don't know, actually like, have to do them either. No, I've only done two. There's a serious advantage to doing so. I have found yeah. many of them. Yeah. But they do give you a reward for going through and that you can override yes. more and more yeah. Uh, yeah. animals. So Yeah. Yes. And I mean, doing. The, uh, I was I was regretting that we didn't talk about them uh, around the time that we were talking about the graphics because it's so it's so different. I mean, like the visual complexity of those areas is is yeah. staggering in a way that's really very distinct from kind of like the beautiful open fields and deserts mm-hmm. and whatever. And I remember stepping into mm-hmm. one of those for the first time and and just being like shocked that the engine that the game was running on could handle that as well yeah. as the outside world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, powerful tools. Uh, the Baboon Baron from the forum says, my first few hours with Horizon Zero Dawn were like a cosine wave. At points I was bowled over with the imagination of whimsy, but was swiftly followed by frustration and irritation at the tricky combat and stealth. However, after this initial wobble, I was left with a vast and beautiful open world post-apocalyptic adventure drawing inspiration from Game of Thrones as much as it draws from highbrow allegorical literature. What begins with hints of a Last of Us-style journey ends with Breath of the Wild Skyrim-style open world, including a consistent difficulty curve across multiple a multitude of game styles, such as stealth, exploration, RPG levelling and action. Tough but fair, Horizon guides the player by the hand at first, gently allowing experimentation to establish how you wish to play and how gung-ho you're willing to push Aloy to be, but by the end is happy to slap that same player with monstrous enemies and full-on wars played out before you. However, Horizon is pushed into bona fide classic territory by its story and world building. Not content with a basic post-apocalyptic Mad Max-style romp of misunderstanding and technology worship, Horizon is willing to make not only a profound point, but also to confront the player with the genuinely horrible realities of violence, cultism, isolationism, extremism and the folly of man. This is all the more remarkable that these topics are delicately handled, allowing for introspection and meditation on its themes as you canter across the desert on your robo-pig, merrily spearing transformer dinobots. Special recognition has to be paid as Horizon actually explains its respawning enemies. (laughs) The stellar voice cast complements stunning visuals and gameplay, and I happily platinumed Horizon, ending my time with it with a sense of sadness that there were no more things to find or places to go. No more trinkets to collect or robots to smash. I look forward to further sequels when they become available with bated breath. So that brings me to a question. Do do we want a sequel out of this? Oh, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. See, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like the story wraps up just fine. No, like, I, know no, they, I, I know no. that there's that part there's with that. 80s and, and silence. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know there's that part, but I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like if it ends there, for me, it's kind of good. I do know what you're saying, Sean. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I think there is a danger. You know, this industry is is renowned as our movies for you mm-hmm. know over exploiting uh, the same well of ideas, IP over mm-hmm. and over again. But I think even just having had this conversation over the last couple of hours, there's enough things that we've come up with that I think would, you know, make the game even better. And I'm sure Guerrilla mm-hmm. have already come across a lot of those ideas, certain you know systems and behaviour that could be improved upon. Maybe they should yeah. stop at two. And not go down the three, four, five, you know, route. But but I think <laughs> yeah. one more would be sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, oh, I don't like, know. We ha- we had th- three witches. I'm I'm happy with three. <laughs> I'm, yeah, okay. Uh, there might be four. Uh, hell, <laughs> five. <laughs> even, but it's like 
to be honest, I mean, there was there's lots of stuff teased in this that doesn't go anywhere in the story, and and, and I, I believe it's entirely deliberate. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't explain. There's talk of a signal that awoke Hades, but they know, but yeah. there's no sense yeah. of where it came from, yeah, and, okay. and it feels like there's all these little uh, threads that are there deliberately to tease a bigger something else going on behind the mm-hmm. scenes that we've yet to find out, and that's what I want. That's what I want from a sequel. I want each, you know, I want these things to be explored. I want to find out the bigger picture, the bigger story, what yeah. is really going on, and stuff. And and yeah, I I, like, I think it would oh. be difficult because you know we talked about and and we've had some amazing correspondence about just how uh you know resonant the the backstory is basically of us yeah humanity now you know messing things up by overreaching effectively and Mm -hmm. you know arrogance and all that folly i think it would be difficult to tell a story as as um affecting as that again without it just going into you know kind of more traditional video game uh yeah you know good versus yeah evil ai i think they would have to find you know some some kind of quirk to tie it back into the yeah to the old i mean ones. there's there's a particular thread of story which i feel is more relevant um than they let on which is the disappearance of i think it, is it, i can't remember what the ship's called there's a spaceship they basically oh, that's sent right. off right that was one dis- one it, option was to was to colonize another planet, yeah, but, it, but it dies. Um, they they all die. Well, they say it dies, oh, but okay. it feels like there's there's stuff there where the sig- they just lost the signal, so they mm-hmm. assumed it had been it's gone. And I felt that ah, it's not, is it? You know, there's all this stuff. Where I'm, <laughs> yeah, you, you reckon they might have taken Biotech with them? And, yeah, mm-hmm. so you kind of okay. think you know because somebody sent a signal out, and I'm like, oh, here we go, and you start piecing all this stuff together, but. You know, uh, to be honest, uh, sequels at this point, I'm I'm more than happy just to like just let them go whichever route they're going to take. But what I'm interested in is is opening up the world that because you feel like Aloy wouldn't stay in that environment if, if she knows now there's more go- yeah more going yeah. on in the world. It's you know, so there's like the whole idea because I think so. This game takes place in like. Montana and Utah yeah. mm-hmm. and so you know basically you can open that right up can't you so you know the oh, idea of, yeah. of be going down to say New York or what was left of the, of the eastern seaboard or even the western seaboard you know that sort of thing it, it, it becomes like this new environments new monsters new um tribes and stuff and and peoples uh, to 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 interact with and all that stuff yeah I'm I'm I, I guess I'm surprised they haven't announced it. You, you kind of get the feeling they're working on it. And, they have, and, oh, for you sure. know, and maybe within the next 12 months, we get a, a yes or a yay or nay as to whether we're getting with a sequel. But I, I, the moment they announce it, I'm in. I'm in this, you know, I'm in now. Mm-hmm. I don't care. You know, it's like whenever it comes out, I'm there. Yeah. You know? I'm curious to see what they'll do. I mean, I'm almost positive they're going to make another one. I just, if they were to stop it here, I'd kind of be okay with that. But yeah, I, I mean, especially yeah. especially after seeing like the Frozen Wilds, it does make me interested to see how how they can make a full game like that. Because I honestly think that I mean, we didn't really talk too much about it, but I think that mm. uh, whole DLC is actually really well done. Um, yeah, and all the improvements that they made throughout that DLC, just you know, the fact that they did that in the same game, like you don't usually kind of see that. You usually see DLC as like it's it's pretty much just like the the main game and. You know, there's it's just another story that's told through there, but they actually made significant visual improvements yeah. to an already ridiculous looking game. So Yeah, I agree. The emailer from the forum. Always ironic. Uh 
says the challenging but engaging nature of the gameplay of Horizon really drew me in. I gained a drive for learning strategies and honing my skills that is really special. With the exception of a few enclosed environments, it rarely felt unfair. Even with an empowered Aloy late in the game, taking on one of the bigger foes felt like a huge task. The sense of accomplishment was tangible. I've heard some complain the RPG elements are light, but I like the simple and easy to understand leveling tree and not having hundreds of weapon types. It leaves the player to practice and develop new strategies rather than endlessly tweak loadouts. I can dig it. Uh, yeah, I think we've talked about uh, these elements. Um, I mean, puzzles I've put. There are a few very, very uh, minor puzzles in the main game. I think they there's a couple of things that you could actually call puzzles in the Frozen Wilds where you actually have to manipulate some um, discs on the floor to kind mm -hmm. of hook things up, yeah. which are a little bit more involved than find battery, plug battery in, read thing <laughs> on wall to uh, reveal yeah. simple code. Yeah. Yeah, there was a couple where they tried to mix it up, wasn't it? Where they reversed it somehow yeah. via, yeah. you know, no, thing it took me hours to work that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, the fact that they added a couple of slightly mm. more involved elements into the DLC makes me think that I think some people had said that what uh, away from the cauldrons, just the the in the ground sections were other than if say if you weren't into the law, if you weren't into the collecting of data. Uh, there's actually very little to do in some of those underground networks. It's not like a Zelda dungeon where it's a big puzzle to right, be solved. Yeah. It's just a get from A to B. Mm -hmm. And so, and if you weren't collecting the data, uh, and and if you weren't into the story, it would have been a real just, yeah, just a a walk. Um, and without puzzles as well, there was yeah, I think there was very little to do in there. So I think some people were were unhappy. Whereas for me, I I found you know because I was I actually really got into the the, the narrative and the and the history the lore, I was uh, just finding it you know very atmospheric and yeah. intriguing. Uh, the ending and that epilogue. Well, we've talked about whether we want a sequel or not. There's a I, su I suppose the main bit of the ending, like you know, in the end there is a big fight uh, and you defeat or you yeah you seemingly at least temporarily defeat Hades. Um, but probably the most poignant part of the end is uh, involves. Aloy visiting her. We haven't actually specifically, yeah, yeah. explicitly explained that Aloy <laughs> so is effectively yeah. an, a, a laboratory-grown successor to the brilliant scientist who came up with the Zero Dawn protocol. Um, and she finds this out. Uh, it's, it's sort of telegraphed, I would say. It wasn't like a massive shock. Uh, the first time you see footage of her, it's like, oh, well, she looks exactly the same and mm. has the same voice. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she goes and visits her, her effectively her mother's grave, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's quite it's quite sweet. I hate numbers. Twenty three says, the ending sees Aloy finally visit her sort of mother's resting place. Along plays the last conversation between Elizabeth and her AI Gaia. Sobek talks about the child she never had, and that she would have wanted her to be curious. Gaia saw to it that she got her wish, creating Aloy to fix a glitch in the system, although Sobek herself obviously wouldn't ever know. The mother who never knew her offspring uh, is as best an analogy I've ever seen of our relation to the past. I cried like a baby. Even thinking of that moment tears me up. No other game has even ever even come close to doing that. Mm. I also I can't believe we've gone this far without mentioning uh, Roast her, or Bruce. Oh, yeah. Her, yeah, her, her kind <laughs> Roast, of like yeah. her, her father figure who, who yeah. adopts her and raises her and then is, is killed 
fairly early on in the game. Um, and and mm. there is this enormously affecting and an entirely missable thing where you can go back to his grave yes. throughout the mm. game, and and there are yeah. dozens of voiced lines of oh. her kind of talking to him and and telling hmm. what she's doing off. at that time, and it changes mission to mission. You know, she she will give yeah. updates, and so. Huh. You know, you can you can go back once and kind of get this kind of like, hey, dad, how you doing? But like if you routinely visit, you you hear her kind of describe her whole emotional journey to him. I didn't know that. That's cool. I didn't know either. Uh, was there anything else to be said other than what you already said about the new game plus? So extra extra modification slots. Uh, any any other sort of reasons to go back on an ng plus rather than just uh you can forever live in the world just before the final mission in in the style of yeah it, it stops just before the looming shadow um yeah it basically just goes back to that point doesn't it which um no not really i mean it's the same it does exactly the same i think the witcher i mean uh, the reason i keep mentioning the witcher is they do seem to have quite a strong uh professional relationship with the two studios they're often sending each other artwork of the different characters mm-hmm. interacting with one another and it feels to me when i when i first started playing um horizon that it, it felt very much like that they'd, they'd seen what the witcher had done and they followed that template quite closely you know the whole new game plus aspect which was again similar in the sense that it was a feature that was added later rather than being there day one. And then it was the whole same approach where you got all new versions of the weapons, but with extra little bits enough to give you a, uh, you know, a reason to carry through. Beyond that, there really isn't anything. There's no change in dialogue or anything like that. It is exactly the same story that I'm yeah. on, as far as I'm aware. Sure. Um, the only thing that I, I thought was interesting was the way dialogue does change within the Frozen Wilds, depending on whether you do it during the game or after the game. I was wondering that, yeah, because it is quite seamlessly integrated. I've actually left yeah. it at a position now where I've actually still got the one final mission, I think, the level 51 to do into the the fiery volcano at the end. Right. I assume that. Is yeah. that the end of Frozen Worlds or near the end? Yeah, where well, you meet up with the um, mm. the brother and sister, mm. the, yeah. the former yeah. chief and stuff. And so I, but I did that. lots of it while the game was still... On the go, so. probably leads you to the so the end boss fight in that is probably the hardest fight in the entire game. I was thinking that based on the level fifty thing because yeah, yeah. I mean talking about the leveling, I've still I still find that it's quite possible to die. I'm level fifty something as I keep saying. I've found it quite possible to to get into trouble on mm-hmm. missions that are supposed to be like level twenty five yeah. if if you're not if you haven't got your wits about you. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. Um, hmm intriguing yeah the, i mean you actually so i i don't know how that was done in the production with the the voice work but um there's dialogue so when you do the frozen wilds after the base game or actually during well yeah during the base game when you come back into the normal when you head back into the story mode there's an interaction with silence and then he refers back to what was happening because you obviously you find out that so during the course you figure it out quite early on mm. that silence is a banuk anyway and he yeah, came he looks, from one of these the, tribes he's got, got all the, the wires and stuff embedded yeah. in his skin which i think looked brilliant and there's conversations where you try to find a bit more about his past from the banuk and then that sort of interaction changes slightly afterwards 
but he references so there's another AI in the Frozen Wilds called Hephaestus, and there's, he references that, and and the dialogue changed based on whether on how much you'd gone through in the in the main game, which I thought like just that level of thought and that approach to it. I mean, sure, it's probably you know with that kind of level of DLC, you're gonna it's gonna be penciled in quite early on in the development of the game itself because you've got to create those kind of the foundation to put something different into the game at some point so it has to it has to connect it has to work but it's i I still find myself really impressed by that level of thought and process that goes into this stuff and i'm finding myself i just think it's breathtaking the amount of work that it's something i've like i don't think every game every new game i get at the moment (laughs) it has moments like this i was Mm -hmm. playing spider-man thinking yeah how do you build a game like this and i know how they build them i've talked to people who build them and it's just (laughs) but it's i still look at it as if it's alchemy i still think this is Mm -hmm. you know these guys are like you know it's like a a good film director you know they they make these movies and you, you just think and you, they affect you on so many levels, emotionally, you know, they, yeah, all this stuff. And, and I, I, I love this stuff. I lo- well, that I is the magic love... of it in, in, with, yeah. all, with all med- media and art in, in the sense that like, I know people who play music incredibly well to a very high level, mm. but they are still blown away and moved by other people's music. It's not like mm-hmm. you yeah. go, oh, well, I know how they do that. So the magic's gone. No, and yeah. in the same way as we know lots of developers between us and, you know, we've got lots of little connections into the industry. Yeah. We all know developers who are, you know, they, they might see they might see certain things that are, are a regular schmo wouldn't about the game, but they're still they're still ultimately moved and compelled to play and, yeah. and appreciate. And in some ways, their appreciation will be even higher when they know, you know, the skill. Well, I think that, that goes for us as well. I think the more that we understand on how they, the work that goes into these. The, well, certainly for myself, the more I understand about how these things are built, the more I appreciate the, the effort and work that is... As, well, AAA is, is insane. Result. And obviously we're yeah. recording this at a time, mentioned Red Dead 2 already. And there's talk about, you know, working practices and, you know, how... And, oh. and, and I think we can all say as people who do know people who work in the industry and, and are decent ethical people that we don't want people to be literally suffering to make this entertainment for us. We want, mm-hmm. you know, labor practices to be better. And we want, um, you know, we want studios not to be completely, you know, beholden to the, the market forces and the shareholders. And actually we play a part in that level of demand as well in that, you know, uh, rabid uh, sort of desire for the next state of the art and the next level of mm-hmm. things and games to come out and be, you know, score 97% everywhere and be worth their 50, 60 (laughs) quid. Um, And and there's a very complex relationship going on. Um, But uh, actually, I can't remember what my point was there. (laughs) But I'm sure. (laughs) Can anyone work out what my point was there? They make good games. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just this stuff still amazes me and I still find myself in a childlike state when I'm wandering around. And particularly with Horizon, these open world games, are, you know, are my, this is my crack cocaine. This is my, so <laughs> I, just, I just sit there and I just soak this stuff in and I, to the detriment of eating, sleeping, <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, toilet breaks about the only thing I can't hold. And that's just, uh, still need uh, to get a poop sock. Uh, Publius J57 <laughs> says, 
Due to taking a hiatus from gaming for a few years, I missed the rash of open-world checklist games of the current console generation. As a result, Horizon Zero Dawn was a fresh experience for me and sits as one of my favourite games of all time. It was the jaw-dropping environment, astonishing graphics, mysterious setting and fantastic gameplay loop that hooked me. The lighting and environment simply cannot be described in words. Other than perhaps Bloodborne, I cannot recall a game where I would constantly stop only to spin the camera around and soak in the breathtaking scenery. And the intricate mechanical details of the robot dinosaurs were truly astonishing. While some fights would devolve into bullet sponge slugfests and fighting the human foes was lacklustre, I never got bored with Horizon Zero Dawn's moment-to-moment -moment gameplay. In fact, Horizon Zero Dawn stands as the only platinum trophy in my digital display case. I can appreciate the undeniable care and love that Guerrilla Games put into the project. The Frozen Wilds expansion was excellent and gave me another easy excuse to dive back in. If this is what Guerrilla Games can do with a new IP, I cannot wait to experience the inevitable sequel. Also, kudos to Sony for investing long-term into a studio and allowing them to branch out into a new IP. An iteration on a play genre for sure, but an excellent and breathtaking one. Yeah, The Frozen Wilds, uh, can't remember how long after it came out. Was it about eight months, six or eight months? It was a while, wasn't yes, it? Yeah, same right. year, yeah. Yes. Um, reviewed uh, many places uh, as it was a substantial bit of DLC. I think it... Uh, they were charging, was it about 16 quid for it? So yeah, it was, you know, it's a chunk. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, reviewed 83% plus. Um, and yeah, having played it somewhat integrated in the game, I'd, I mean, if, if you get Horizon now, you're probably, you're likely to get a sort of Game of the Year edition anyway, maybe. But um, mm -hmm. if you have Horizon and you enjoyed it, uh, obviously it can be tough to go back with these games. You forget where you were, you forget the controls. Um, but if you have the opportunity to play it, if you loved being in Horizon's main world, um, and especially anyone who loves snowy areas in <laughs> games like I do, uh, Frozen Wilds, I would say, is an essential part of the Horizon experience. Anyone think that it was a pointless add-on that shouldn't people shouldn't bother with? <laughs> <laughs> Guess not. No. Toon Scottoon says, I came to Horizon Zero Dawn in the midst of a 10-month-long binge of gaming sparked by a gumbo of circumstances involving Super Mario Galaxy and the Nintendo Switch my wife kindly gave me as a Christmas gift. Leading up to the Plumber's Space Opera, I hadn't played a video game in more than two decades that didn't involve a professional athlete on the screen and a roommate holding the other controller. And yet I knew almost from the first time I saw the commercial for this title, whose systems I didn't own or lineage I didn't know, that I'd be hunting a biomechanical big game in a pixelated postcard from a post-apocalyptic world someday in my future. After consuming a 20-game chef's menu of titles, mostly curated by Kane and Rince, I finally rendezvoused with Aloy, the Nora, and the mechanised menagerie gorilla put together. The problem was that by this point my taste in games had been so recently shaped by some of the best titles of all time that my thoughts on HZD were corrupted by other works. The creatures were neither as interesting in their design nor as engaging to dispatch as the Colossi in Shadow of the Colossus. The climbing and jumping mechanics felt hardly more freewheeling than those presented in Ocarina of Time, the, the last narrative game I played before my hiatus, and the dungeons were nothing but pseudo-stealth tunnel shooting culminating in a boss, though they did offer a great ward for completion in the bolstered override mechanic, a paintbrush I thoroughly enjoyed using to conjure cinematic battles between sawtooths and snapmores across the land. However, even these Wild Kingdom-style skirmishes rarely played out as intended, since the player has no real control over most creatures they align with 
save the rideable ones. Otherwise, these beasts just mindlessly attack one another and in doing so make a mess of things. That's how things are in Horizon Zero Dawn, a game about world building set in a world that is exquisitely constructed but fatally flawed by cliché and melodrama. Be it the stock religious zealot Helis, the campy corporate hack Ted Farrow, or the ham-fisted ending involving Joseph Campbell by numbers Aloy, the execution of this narrative offers little in the way of surprises, save Silence confirming that he is both far more Dr. Frankenstein than Professor Dumbledore and that a sequel for the game looms ahead. Here's hoping that future iteration of this universe does a better job of asking questions that only the player can answer for themselves, rather than cloaking answers in an attractive but ultimately hollow steel exoskeleton. There you go. We always like to feature some different opinions. They do exist. I Hate Numbers 23 says maybe its sequels can innovate on top of what's already there, but for all its predictable mechanics and dead-eyed stares, Horizon will always be special. It is distilled down to its essence what made me fall in love with the past and that we ought to listen to what it has to say. For conveying that message so beautifully, I can only thank narrative director John Gonzalez and the rest of the writing staff and Guerrilla Games. And finally, in long-form correspondence from the forum, thank you everybody, Magical Isopod concludes, This is a beautiful game for more than just the message it wishes to present. The art direction is absolutely stunning, with plumes of neons and bright reds nestled into the photorealistic rocks and trees. The game performs incredibly and is really the bell of the ball when it comes to showcasing what the PS4 Pro can do. The combat is fun and deeply satisfying, with each mechanical monster encounter feeling both like a desperate struggle to survive and the meticulous dismantling of a complex puzzle box. The only tiny criticisms I might have are the load times, the fairly pointless skill tree and the excessive amount of loot, but those are minor nitpicks. Horizon is damn near perfection. It has an incredibly poignant, incredibly relevant tale to tell. The narrative has made a profound impact on my life and the game as a whole was an absolute blast to experience. I honestly believe this is one of the most important pieces of media of the 21st century and I very much consider it essential reading for any gamer or for anyone who gives a damn about the planet they live on. Strong stuff. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we also have reviews in just three little words. Follow us on Twitter at CanaanRints. Lee Davies says, Not enough climbing. Nick Wirt, post-post-apocalypse. The Baboon Baron says, Dirty Cup Trophy. Morton Jord says, Gorilla, who knew? Blue-Eyed Bod says, Red-Haired Beauty. Joe Brown, Stop and Stare. Richard Burt says, Attractive Archetype Amalgam. Chuck Chuck Macho says, Sci-Fi Monster Hunter. David Rush says, Metal Gear Aloy. Bearfish Pie, Chrome Safari Explorer. <laughs> That's really good. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Publius J57 says, Rope Cast That Stormbird. David Hartley, Thunderjaw Heart Bullseye. Ben Miskelly says, Blindsided by Lore. Invisible Kraken. Pharaoh ruins everything. Eric Jones says, A Photographer Playground. David Tibble, Favorite 2017 Game. And the emailer says, A Spectacular Challenge. All right. So it just remains for us to kind of sum up our feelings. I think we are all broadly <sighs> positive. I don't know which order to go in. I'm going to say, let's go Jacob first. So I want to end my my thoughts on horizon by talking about uh ted farrow who is kind of the the villain of 
of the the old world at least yeah and mm -hmm. and he is he was referred to as campy in one of the forums but i think he is a spectacularly kind of portrayed character because who he is is not an evil guy or a guy who wants to bring on the end of the world but he is elon musk <laughs> he is he is this guy who has has ungodly amounts of money through his own successes and innovations in capitalism and he's portrayed as intelligent and thoughtful and yet he does things with kind of no fail safes because he as a kind of tech pioneer believes that there's nothing he can't do and and because of that the world dies and living in 2018 it is it is dang hard not to see parallels to our own world there um you know and i really i can't i can't say it better than uh magical isopod did who had i mean that that is one of my favorite forum pieces that Canaan rinse has ever received um mm. but just the the level of depth and complexity and realism given to these characters is is absolutely stunning and surprising in horizon zero dawn and i love the combat and i love shooting robot dinosaurs with arrows but when i think about this game i continue to come back to that and and i've thought about it many many times after i finished and that's it's it's one of the highest compliments i can give a game story so that's that's where i land beautiful thanks jacob how about you sean yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn is a very surprising game for me. Um, I, you know, I, I liked the studio's work before uh, for the most part, but there has been some stinkers, and uh, this was like a, a a step up in a huge way, I think, for Guerrilla. Um, for them to step out of their wheelhouse and take everything they've learned uh, on a technological level, and then apply that same amount of effort into their story and world building and lore, like they really nailed it here. And I just, uh, you know, in, in many ways there, there's the game isn't very inventive in terms of like all of its mechanics. Like we've seen all this stuff before. And a lot of times when, when the studio will make a game like this, you know, it'll, it'll be one of those like master of none situations where all of it's like kind of all right, but you know, none of it is, has like really nailed it. But I, I really feel like they've kind of diffused the whole, you know, quote unquote Ubisoft's, uh, era of open world games into this mm -hmm. like much more uh, streamlined uh, focused uh, um, open world and where everything that you do does seem to have at least if not like a gameplay benefit a at least a lore benefit like it makes sense that she would be going around collecting all these things it's not the Alan Wake coffee cups you know it's it's mm -hmm. all different types of of things that come that coalesce into this really neat um really interesting idea in the story and you know i like i said earlier i'd be fine if the story ends here but i would also be really interested to see where they go from here you know in, in terms of how much more they've learned from making this game and where they can maybe invent some new uh gameplay techniques in the, in a sequel or you know even more deep with the story um yeah i really like this game a lot i hope uh people give it a chance now seven and a half million people have 
Yeah, I should room. have said if they haven't already. <laughs> There's room for more. There's room for more. There's still plenty more uh, PS4 yeah. owners. Yeah. Uh, yes, I really, really enjoyed this game. I mean, I, ha- I feel like I haven't finished with it. I've played 62 hours or, or thereabouts. Uh, it's genuinely absolutely flown by. Um, one of the things about you know playing and completing games for Kane and Rince is that we sometimes have to play games and complete them that we're not particularly enamoured with. And sometimes a, a game that's 10 hours, even, yeah, even as short as that, can seem like a real trudge. This has just been a blast. There are definitely some areas for improvement that either a sequel or the studio with a different IP could, I think, work on in terms of uh, just stuff like the uh, yeah, slightly generic uh, loot and skill tree stuff and, and the, um, yeah, some of the, the, the character models looking a little bit Thunderbird puppety and, and things like that. Um, but I was actually really surprised just how engaged I got with the character of Aloy and the story of this world, which is yeah, the future of our world in this fiction. Um, and for, for the most part, uh, just, you know, I am somebody who enjoys being in virtual worlds. And for me, I think this, you know, this may be, as of right now, the most picturesque, jaw-dropping, breathtaking, uh, sublime-looking and sounding as well open world that I have yet experienced Um Certainly in terms of the one that looks the best in static shots, like there's a lot to like Breath of the Wild, I think is truly magical. But in terms of like, uh, as I say, an attempt to actually kind of create something which is feels close to reality. Uh, this is. Yeah, as as close as we've got. And, and for me, that means that stuff like fairly uh, perfunctory platforming and collect ups are not a chore. They're a pleasure because it, it means that mm. I am just scuffing about this place and it's not just that you are scuffing about because as one of our correspondents said this is a hostile world where you have to be keep on your toes uh, at all times and while you can avoid a lot of the fighting that you don't want to do um, sometimes it will come and find you um, and sometimes uh, you'll need to do it for resources and, and whatever else uh, but mainly my my overriding most powerful memories of this game will be those uh, almost organic fights not the arena battles which you know had their moments but it'll be the fights that broke out where you're already fighting one or two different kinds of monsters and then a third one joins in and you are uh, juggling your ammo and resources and uh, aiming your bow in slow-mo I mean that's the probably the, the the strongest single image is you know the kind of focus time slow-mo bow aiming aiming at some evil glinting robots red eye and trying to get that perfect uh, that perfect shot to it to to take out the biggest chunk of its energy bar um yeah I, I found this an absolute pleasure to play um and if it wasn't for the show i'd probably carry on playing it for another 20 30 hours till i got the platinum and and did everything did everything else as well so yeah total winner for me let's finish with mr completed it seven times or more jay <laughs> I always get kind of, I don't know, nervous at these points in the end because I want to be, how do you sum up the game eloquently and, and so on? And I, 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 I struggle every time with this. And frankly, after Magical Isopod's email, it's <laughs> like, it's just not impossible anyway. But I love this game. I, I, I was so happy that Gorilla kind of made a game that was both technically marvelous and with a really engaging narrative. I can't wait to see what comes next from them. 
with this title or this franchise, if if that's what you want to call it. Mm. But mm-hmm. um, I think, quite honestly, now we're in we're coming to the end of 2018. But I can I can say now with confidence that this was probably my favorite game of last year. Without you know, it was the game I put more hours in playing than any other title last year. And the fact that I went through it. I think twice, well, twice this year, definitely, because I played them quick, one off the back of the other. So it's, yeah, it's a fantastic title. And I think given that you can pick it up in sales now for like the game of the year edition for as little as like £12, it's been like, it's really, you know, it it may not rock your boat. It may not be, I don't know. No, come on. You've got to. Come (laughs) on. It's like 12 quid. It's just like, it was I love it. I can't say more than that. And people have put it far better than I can throughout this show. So, yeah, do yourself. If you've got a PlayStation and you've got a PlayStation 4, and if you've got a 4K TV and you haven't played this game, you know. If you like graphics and you like tech, even if you don't love the game, I'd say it's worth 12 quid just to, you know, just to see it. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that that's really all I can say. I think, I yeah. think it's I play, a fantastic I, I completed it seven times or more. Is yeah, it's probably all we need to know. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so uh, thanks, everybody. That's been a lot of fun. It remains for me, Leon, to thank Jacob, Jay, and Sean, as well as you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and our other podcasts, please do remember to subscribe. Also, rate and review. I know I always say it. Not many people are doing it. We've got. We seem to have you know hit our limit of reviews but it's what, still 175 uh five star reviews is it or something no, it's, it's more than that but it's um right. <laughs> it's absolutely minuscule compared to the number yeah, of listeners compared. we have so if like a few thousand of you would go and bombard <laughs> your local apple podcast or itunes with a review um we were at number four at one point this week i don't know if we went higher than that at any stage but the highest i saw we were at number four in the uk video games podcast charts this week if we'd had like even probably five or ten new reviews from people who like us we probably have made the top two or three so it really does make a difference because it's not just about Mm. download figures it's about uh exposure and um and their algorithm that incorporates support as well so and also it's you know if if you do like the show and you don't interact with us via the forum or anywhere else it's nice you know just to read that people are out there enjoying what we do so that's your mission for this week but also a dollar wouldn't go amiss either a dollar a month patreon.com slash cane and rinse supporting our ongoing endeavors to talk about every video game ever Uh, and you get podcasts a week early longer and an exclusive monthly cast to boot Uh, next time in issue 344 at least two of us will be hanging off the back in our mario kart double dash podcast